everybody. Today's first reading is from Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 to 4. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending his flocks with his brothers and sons, the sons of Bilbar and the sons of Zilpah, his father's, father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he had made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. The second reading is from Genesis 39, starting at the first one, 20. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he, <clears throat> and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he had owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left Joseph's care, Joseph's care everything he had, with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was a well-built and handsome, and after a while the master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her and even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he had left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you thought you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard this story, his, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. This is God's word to us tonight. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you, Colin. So we continue our journey through the Old Testament, getting towards the end of Genesis, Exodus soon to come. Tonight we're going to cover several chapters of Genesis all in one. The story of Joseph, and we might be able to sing the songs or not. But before we jump into where Colin was reading in chapter 37, I want to just jump us back to chapter 35 of Genesis. If you've got a Bible, you might want to go there. Chapter 35. Because you see, the foundation of what's going to happen in the story of Joseph. You've noticed that all the way through, we've been seeing the building blocks of how God had a plan for everything in the Bible. From Adam and Eve to the call of Abraham and how God had prepared everything for him in order. We see in chapter 35 a very important phrase that's going to set the agenda for Joseph. Jacob, of course, is Joseph's dad. And so we read, let's just read the first few verses. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Do you see the, already you've got a fall back to somewhere before where God met Jacob. So Jacob went, said to his household and all that were with him, get rid of your foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes and then come. Let's go to Bethlehem where I will build an altar to the God, to God. I want to stop there. Jacob, a God-fearing man, lived in a polytheistic world. People had all kinds of gods. Yet Jacob kept straight down the line of worshipping the true God, the God he knew, the God who had called Abraham, the God who had equipped Abraham to have a child, the God who had been part of all his line. And here we see Jacob calling his household. His household would probably have been quite considerable. It would have slaves and servants in there and his own family children. And he told them to get rid of your foreign gods. This is pre the famine that's going to happen. In many ways, you get echoes of this throughout the whole Bible. When something significant's going to happen, there's that call consecrate yourself, get ready, purify yourself. And that God has a way of just bringing us back and his people back to himself. And Jacob built an altar. I say this because Joseph is Jacob's favourite son, we're led to believe. The Bible's quite clear on that. And I'm not going to tonight get into the ethics as to whether you should have favourite children. I've got a favourite son and I've got a favourite daughter. That's easy because I've only got one of each. And in case they're listening, neither is better than the other, or worse than the other. 
of course, as soon as you start having favourite children, you start to get squabbles and have fallouts. And we see this in the story of Jacob's family, the fallout that is happening. But Joseph, the hero of the next several chapters, the man God has placed for such a time as this, it begins with a set of dreams. Joseph simply means God adds, and he was the 11th son of Jacob. He was 17 years old, when he, and he was a shepherd. But he was slightly different from the other brothers who were shepherds with him. He didn't get involved in their malicious uh, activities and misconducts. You can imagine how that went down with the brothers as he was always the one who stood out and stood firm. And this is going to be a theme of his life. When others are calling him to compromise, he's going to stand firm. He's going to stand strong. Joseph, oh sorry, Jacob made Joseph a coat of many colours. It was an outward show of his devotion to his son, which caused his brothers to hate him. Joseph was not necessarily early on the wisest of people. He made sure his brothers knew all this. And when he got dreams, he didn't sort of think, how politically can I share these dreams in a way that won't antagonize my brothers? He just told it as it was. I'm going to be up and you're going to bow down to me. I can imagine the brothers' feelings. Not sure that's going to happen, brother. We know it did. But this came to cause his brothers to hate and despise him even more. The story, parts we've missed out because we haven't got time to read the whole, is of course his brothers want to get rid of him. They plan to kill him. But Reuben, the youngest brother, tried to rescue him by uh, persuading them not to kill him, and so they sold him instead, the next best thing. Probably better for the brothers, they got some money out of this deal. And Joseph was sold to some Ishmaelites. His life was changed in a moment from being the beloved son of a wealthy man to being the slave in an unknown land. Could you imagine the transformation? I wonder what we'd have done in that case to go from beloved son to a slave in an unknown land. But Joseph kept his faith in God. We've said a few times as we have gone through this Old Testament story, bad things happen to good people. 
And God never said, if you follow me, you will have no problems. I would love to have that written into the contract, wouldn't you? Become a Christian and live happily ever after with no problems. Actually, so often the inverse is true. Follow God, you've got problems. You're going to be ostracized. You're going to be pushed out of society. And we were looking a bit at this first thing this morning in our morning service when we asked, where as Christians do we find ourselves struggling in the contemporary secular world? And the fact that you can get into all sorts of troubles just for standing up for being a Christian. Joseph was sold to Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's God. If you jump across to chapter 39, which Colin continued to read, thank you, we learn a few things about Joseph there in Potiphar's house. He was a good, good administrator. Oh, don't we love good administrators? This is one area where Vicky and I are totally diverse, okay? You want somebody with an eye of detail, go to Vicky. She has the forensic eye on everything. She is the good administrator. Me, that'll do. We're just different, you know? And maybe you know those people of that'll do. And you think, I can work with them. And then you know those who are forensic detail. Oh, both needed. Not one is better than the other. But Joseph was a good administrator, and he was a hard-working, faithful servant. He represented his God. Of course, the Bible just drops in. He was also fair and handsome. Um, and God was with him. And because he was faithful to God, God made him prosper and faith, prosper and successful. And because he was prosperous and successful, his master benefited. And as a result of his reputation, his master trusted him with everything. So let's take a step back. What can we learn? A man of God who followed God, his integrity was recognized by his master. But he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. But he had a healthy fear of God. A key verse in this passage is chapter 39 and verse 9, where it says these words, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern with any, himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to me. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. 
How could I therefore do such a wicked thing and sin against God? It's interesting he's not sin against his master. He's not actually so worried about upsetting his master. It's actually his God that he is focused on. This temptation went on for a long time and he resisted. But in the end, due to a false accusation, he ended up in prison. Once again, he paid the price for being righteous. The story continues. He's in prison and God was with him in his trials. Whilst God did not necessarily rescue from his troubles, God's plan and purposes are higher than us. And again, we see how God uses him for God's purposes. This is a theme that we're seeing in the Old Testament as we're going through. The faithful God uses Sometimes they go through adversity for God to continue to use. He's in prison, and his reputation in prison, the following of God, still gets him recognized as somebody who can be trusted. And you see he helps the chief butler, and the chief butler mentions him when dreams need interpreting. And so when Pharaoh was troubled by dreams, who shall we call? No, not the Ghostbusters, but Joseph, the one who had helped the chief butler. And Joseph started to prepare Pharaoh for what was to come upon the land. I'm going to leave it there and ask the question, so what's God going to do with a man of God who actually is in a secular society? In a church setting, it's easy to say the Christian will be the one who leads. The godly Christian will be the one who leads. In many nations of this world, it's God's men who, and women who rise to the surface to lead. But this is not one of those. This is a non-believing nation. And they're now looking to a man of God. What's going to happen? And Daniel's going to come and read uh, from Genesis chapter 41, starting to read at verse 41. Second Bible reading is Genesis chapter 41 to 57. 
So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command and people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Saphanath Paneah and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and travelled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that it stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because of God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When all, all Egypt began to feed the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sorted grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the wealth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere. It's the word of God. Amen. We see in that song we just sung, he's the author of creation, God being the author. God's writing a story. The story is made up of some interesting characters, isn't it? If you look at the whole Bible. Joseph being one of them. It would be very easy to stand here and say Joseph was sinless. But he wasn't. He was also not always the most wise. But God put him in Egypt for such a time as this. And it was interesting as we got to the part towards the end when he was naming his sons 
He talked about God using him in the land of his torture, his pain, his unhappiness. He was 30 years old when he began this part of his life. So after 13 years of suffering and struggle, since his brothers got rid of him, he's now come to his moment where he was ready for what God has been ready to do with him. Sometimes we want all our struggles to go, don't we? Lord, if only we only struggled for a week. Don't mind having a bit of persecution, but let's just make it a week or two weeks if it's really bad. But here we have a man that God was going to use in the most amazing way who had 13 years struggle in a foreign land, unfairly judged, and God now had him ready for what Egypt needed at this point. And not just Egypt, beyond Egypt to the world. Maybe you've just been going through a long period of struggle. Maybe you know somebody here is, or maybe you're aware of something and you think, Lord, just bring it to an end now. Nothing in the Bible that says it will be short. But remain faithful. Remain faithful even in the struggles. This is an amazing rescue plan that God ordained. And as the story continues, and we're going to cover 14 years in very quick time, we see how Joseph's life is the one who caused Egypt to prosper even through a famine. He had the wisdom when life was good and there was plenty to build up the storehouses. And then when needed, they were able to provide, not just for Egypt, but beyond Egypt, through what they had. Maybe we ought to start teaching some world politicians a bit about biblical um, storage and care, you know, rather than just spend everything you have and then borrow, borrow, borrow until you've got nothing left. Was that a bit controversial? I never know. But the wisdom of Joseph. But in this story, if we read chapters 42 to 50, and you can read them later and enjoy the story, you see how the famine brought all the different people from different nations back to Egypt because they heard where they, that's where they could buy food. And who was included within that? His brothers. The ones who he had been sold by. The ones who thought he was gone from their lives forever. And tonight we don't have trouble time, like this year we don't have time to go through every story in the Old Testament in detail. 
But it's interesting, the one who they sold, the one who they got rid of, was going to also be their salvation. The brother they got rid of, the brother they thought was dead, the brother who'd gone to Egypt and they thought now was a slave and probably killed by overwork, it's going to be the one who was going to bring them salvation and food and hope. See a bit of mischief amongst Joseph as you follow the story and putting a silver cup in his brother's bag, getting them arrested, and then saying, brothers, it is me, Joseph. And the fear that they had. But he was also able to bless his father and his brothers. He forgave them and persuaded them to settle in Egypt during the time of famine. And we see that Joseph lived for 110 years. That's something for us all to look forward to. What can we learn from Joseph's life? God's plans and purposes are greater and better than ours. God's plans are greater and better than ours. There is that old adage, if you want to give God a laugh, tell him your plans. And then listen to his. God provides and blesses those who follow him. And though it may be seen, uh, painful it may seem, God has a plan for the suffering of his people. And God can use the most difficult times of our life for his good. Think about the most difficult time of your life. Would you give that to God? Lord, please do that for your good or we're still angry with God about it Joseph teaches us the value of self-control he teaches us patience and perseverance even in a time of trouble he teaches us about honesty and strong work ethics, even when they're not always rewarded. And he teaches us about the fear of God and faithfulness to God. As we draw to a conclusion on the story of Joseph, and there is so much more that I could go through on the story of Joseph, as I say, but not tonight. I want us to look at two verses. Remember we started from chapter 35, recognising the putting down of the false gods, the foreign gods, to worship God. If you look at chapter 39 now, and two verses, 
Firstly, verse 2. It says, The Lord was with Joseph. And again in verse 21 of that same chapter, The Lord was with him. Joseph could do nothing in his own strength, only the fact that God was with him. And God's poured out his spirit on his church today. And I want to invite you to take God with you. So wherever you are tomorrow and whatever you're facing, you can call back, but God is with me. God is with me. And if God with Joseph can turn a whole nation and bring Pharaoh to trusting him and his God, just imagine what God can do with you if you recognize God is with you and he's in charge. The Lord is with you. It's a phenomenal thought, isn't it? I want to take you to chapter 50. This is part of the story of the reuniting of the family and the reassurance his brothers. And verse 20, when they are, well, they're getting worked up, aren't they? What's Joseph going to do to us? We don't deserve any forgiveness. And his brothers come in, we are your slaves, in verse 18. In verse 19, it says this, don't be afraid. I am in the place of God. You intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And I just take a step back for a moment and maybe there are those out to harm you. I want to ask, will you trust God that he will turn that around for his purposes of good? His purposes to do something that you may not even ever know about and you certainly might know about at that moment. But in all the story of Joseph, from betrayal and slavery, false imprisonment and dream interpretation, to hitting the highest office bar Pharaoh in the land of Egypt, God was with him. And everything that seemed like a failure actually was God's success. 
And we see that in another story in the Bible, which we will celebrate in a couple of weeks' time. Because on Good Friday, it felt like failure. Satan had won, Jesus had been killed. The religious leaders were happy, the Romans felt victory. But had that not happened, we would be lost. Humankind will be lost. And so in Joseph we have a precursor of Christ. Through persecution, victory comes. Through the death of Christ, salvation comes. And so, the Lord is with you. He will go with you. The same Lord who was with Joseph. And there will be those who intend harm. But God can cause it for good. Praise the name of our God. In whom all victories are found. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. And so, Lord, in the story of Joseph, we saw your power. Yet, Lord, we know that same power is in us. In the story of Joseph, we saw your victory. Lord, we pray we will see your victory in our lives. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. Help us to be women and men who, called by you, transform situations for you. That, Lord, we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We will see victory. In the name of Jesus. Amen.